What's up, Beardos? You're listening to episode 114 of The Bearded Vegans. Basically, our whole philosophy boils down to, don't be a jerk. Don't really answer your question first. I not answer your question. I really hope people didn't tune into talking about beer. Welcome to the show. I'm Paul. And I'm Andy. And we are the Bearded Vegans, a podcast featuring a dissection of all things vegan. If you're just tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes at thebeardedvegans.com. And you can always reach us by emailing thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. In today's episode, we continue our winter break retro film review series with an in-depth review of If a Tree Falls, a story of the Earth Liberation Front. Yeah, this is a nice... Nice juxtaposition to Bold Native last week, which covers similar territory. I agree. Yeah, so good good choice, Paul. This was your choice for the review series. Yes, but it was your choice to put these in this order, so good on you, Andy. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so in case you missed last week's episode, this is, in, in lieu of taking a break for the holidays, Andy and I... We do need our rest. But in lieu of that, we've recorded some uh, film reviews that are movies that didn't come out while we were making this podcast. So we thought we'd go back in time and watch some of these older movies. So if, if this is your first time listening to The Bearded Vegans, this is not going to be the typical episode. But we hope you do still enjoy this one nonetheless. Yeah. So Earth Liberation Front. Not quite the Animal Liberation Front that was covered in Bold Native. One letter away. Yes, so close, so close. So, as usual, we'll be doing a little bit of a general thought section, then we'll be doing a spoilerful section. This is a documentary. I don't know if there's really... I guess there's a bit of a storyline here. You're not sure entirely how things are going to end up, but I feel like you get a pretty solid sense of where things are going pretty early on. Yeah, yeah, but I I think it's... I'll say this right now. It's a film worth watching, I would, I would say. Absolutely, absolutely. I think this, this film, to me, was very enthralling. Very mm-hmm. enthralling and, and very captivating. And it's, it's all on YouTube, so you can watch it for free if you want. Yeah, go watch it for free. If you haven't seen it yet, I think it's always more enjoyable to listen to a review of a film you've actually seen. So go give it a watch if you just Google <laughs> <laughs> If a Tree Falls Film on YouTube. You'll find it. So, yeah, give it a listen. Anyway, so this film, the plot synopsis from IMDb is a rare behind-the-curtain look at the Earth Liberation Front, the radical environmental group that the FBI calls America's number one domestic terrorist threat. And this film is directed by Marshall Curry and Sam Coleman. And I was just looking at their their respective IMDb's, and they have both gone on to do some other documentaries. Uh, Sam Coleman, especially, has been the editor on, on a bunch of other, including the the most recent Amanda Knox documentary. So, hmm. yeah, they they they've been off and doing things. It's kind of interesting because with Bold Native, which we just reviewed, it was to me clear, and then also very clear from the interviews I read afterwards that the the filmmakers were people that had like a vested interest in this particular message they're trying to get out. Yeah. And then this film starts off this film, this whole film follows the story of Daniel McGowan. It does talk about sort of the formation of the earth liberation front, but it's framing device is this story of Daniel McGowan, who's someone that was involved and had some legal issues that get into in the film. And the film starts off with Daniel McGowan is works at the same domestic abuse organization that the filmmaker's wife works at. 
Oh, is that what that was? That's what that okay. was. So, so this was kind of a story that kind of fell into this filmmaker's lap. It's not someone that was like deeply entrenched within this movement and then decided to examine it. And I think that actually makes for a much more interesting film. But Paul, this is this is one you wanted to bring back up. When did you last see this film? What did you remember about it? And like, what were your general overall thoughts on this film? I think I watched this. I'm I'm just gonna guess it was not more than eight years and not less than three or four years i'd say so somewhere between when did this movie come out well, it certainly wasn't more than eight years because it came out in 2010 2011 so okay i would guess that i probably saw it in 2012 then and i remember being super interested in it and it was not and and this was you know i had at this point i had been vegan for i would guess three or four or five years and so i was invested in that but i did not know much about the the purely environmental movement so it was kind of a uh, it pulled back the curtain, as they say in the IMDb, <laughs> and and kind of you know let me into that world a little bit, and I appreciated that because there are certainly parallels, and yeah, yeah. So, so I I was interested in it then, and given a rewatch, which we just did, I'm still interested in it, and would recommend this to watch with other people. I think it. In, I don't think this is spoiling anything, but it poses the question of what is the definition of terrorism and, and are these people that committed these acts that did not hurt us, that were carried out intentionally to not hurt anyone or to not injure anybody, or should they be considered terrorism? And, and I think that how they portray a lot of the characters, given how they portray a lot of the characters, I think that this could be, you know, this could be a useful watch for people that don't have the most positive feelings about the, these sorts of actions, because I think it does go into their motivations. It goes into why they did these things. And, and I think it's, it's an honest film. It, they, the, the, the people that participated in these things talk about how they feel about them. Now that it's been some time later, they, they question them. So it's, I, I think it's very, it's an honest, well done film. I don't think it has a lot of bias. I think they, they do a good job showing both sides and in like, in in a in an unbiased fashion, so I like I, I appreciated that. I think it was a well made documentary. Yeah, I think I would definitely have to echo those sentiments. I thought that I don't I don't know if I could say it's one hundred percent unbiased because there there is like a large portion of the film when you're like along for the ride with the ELF and they're playing like Rage Against the Machine. And <laughs> yeah. there's property destruction happening, and I feel like in, in some level the actions that these people are doing are romanticized a little bit in the film mm -hmm. or at least portrayed in a way that you're like hell yeah they're they're sticking it to the man yeah. but then they do come back and, and interview people and and both people that commit these actions show some remorse or questioning the strategic nature of what they did and they also interview some of the people that are affected by these actions which i thought was a pretty bold move mm -hmm. bold native move <laughs> And, and I actually appreciated that, and I, I guess we could talk a little bit more, more about that in spoilers, but overall, I really loved this film. Yeah. Like, straight up, I'm just, this is probably one of my favorite films that we've ever reviewed on this show, I think. Mm -hmm. I think that it's, it's very nuanced, it's exciting to watch, it's emotional, it's sad. I f oh, yeah. Hold back tears at oh, times. Yep. Yep. Like, Same. just... You know, these are things I think it also it brings up stuff that I ponder when I think about, especially when I first got into the movement and I was like, what's going to be most effective? And 
is it time for me to give up my chance at freedom and go, you know, do more direct actions and like, but what about prison and like all of these things? I think a lot of people when they enter the movement and they're they're trying to figure out like what's the best thing to do, they might be juggling some of those things in their mind. And thankfully, I went the podcast route <laughs> so that I can see Paul in person all the time, you know, but, but it's like one of those things where like the, these are things I've thought about. These are things that I think anyone in any sort of social justice movement has to wrestle with in their own head. What route do you want to take? Who do you want to support? Who do you want to maybe sort of quietly agree with but not show your public support for what actions are actually going to work? And this film does such a great nuanced job of exploring those things i i could have watched this film if it was three hours long like so much so much i could watch this if it was a 10-part series i love the way this was put together it's not by nature of you know it's a lot of like archival footage of police beating up protesters and and forest destruction and it's not like there's like tons of beautiful aerial drone shots you know it's it's not beautiful in that way but the subject matter is just so powerful and so compelling and the interviews they get are so interesting that to me i didn't even think about that stuff for a second other than oh what am i gonna say about this for the podcast so yeah you know a very well put together film very concise i love that it laid out this great roadmap i feel like i complain about this often with a lot of documentaries that i'm like god they didn't have a really nice clear roadmap for like getting from point a to point b in the narrative Mm -hmm. i felt like this really did i I think it did a fantastic job i never felt lost i never felt like they were asking me to make mental leaps that the film didn't thoroughly explain itself while moving along in the path and so i I, just a really solid film and and i on that roadmap point that you made i do like how you know, they, they choose to focus in and go into detail about specific incidents and then other incidents they'll say like, oh, and this incident happened, this incident happened. So you're not you're not kind of bogged down with going into details about every single thing that happened, but you go into the details to get a better picture about just just like all the ideas in general and what was happening in these other in these other cases as well. So, I yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. Cool. I feel like we move straight into spoilers and just have a more detailed discussion now. But I think for anyone that's not convinced by what we just said, again, it's free. What do you have to lose aside from an hour and 25 minutes of your life? And definitely when we get into the spoilers, I do want to kind of talk about like, what can this do for the vegan movement? You already said Mm -hmm. there's definitely related things going on. Obviously, the types of actions that are taking place in this film certainly relate to the types of actions being taken place in Bold Native that we just watched. But yeah, with with that said, go see the film. Definitely recommend. I don't think that you'll regret it. I think it's very insightful and definitely gives you a view into a world that a lot of people, myself included, were not really privy to. Yeah. So with that said, let's get into the spoiler section. Let's do it. For If a Tree Falls, starting right now. <laughs> hey, hey, come on, come on. I haven't seen it yet. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot. Still, still, I like to go in fresh. So Andy. Yes, Paul. One thing that I wanted to talk about, and you, you thought that some of the, some of the film had a bias to it. And I, I agree. It's like, it, it's a film that, definitely wants you to feel sympathetic for the the main characters i guess you would say the main players in this in this movie mm-hmm. but it throughout the entire movie i believe it was the assistant district attorney was in it the the older guy yeah yeah 
He was in it. Great. Though, I thought he was great in this film. So I'm going to get to him in a second. But and then there was an, an undercover cop who was also a large part of the investigation. What did you think the of the most smug look <laughs> on his fucking face? Shit eating grin. God. Oh, <laughs> the whole time. Killed me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you had already, I think you had mentioned, it also interviewed a couple of the people who were affected by some of the arsons whose business. Like the lumber farmers. Lumber farmers, yeah. And, and I appreciate so much that they that they put those in that one guy with that grin it got to me a few times but he was so pleased with himself yeah. Just like, yeah. oh fbi granted i will say if if i was in his shoes and i had been working on something for oh, yeah. like 15 years <laughs> he's stoked about yeah. that guy <laughs> yeah but but the, the older guy who I, I i think was like the assistant district attorney i thought that his inclusion in the movie was great not only because he provided the information about what was going on from their perspective through basically the entirety of the, of the movie, how they were, how the, like the government was reacting to these sorts of things, the F, how the FBI was reacting to these sorts of things. But then also he has one of not, not the final, but he is one of the final moments in the entire movie when he says, he says something along the lines of, you know, when we first started investigating these people, you're just like, these people are jerks. They're they're lighting things on fire. We got to catch these people. But then, since the case went on for so long, and they're following these people, and and they they kind of see how they grow, and they understand. They start to understand some of their motives, even if they don't agree with how they went about it. They understand and are. It seems sympathetic towards what they want, mm-hmm. and and I think that the inclusion of that was so important because I think that that's the that's the person that for someone who's not on board with these sorts of things that's the person who they're going to relate to the most that and the the grinning guy but but that's Uh, who's going to relate to that grinning guy (laughs) aside from other cops but that's you know that you know what i mean though that's who they're going to relate to and when they see that guy being able to have that perspective on on things i think that that's super important for people that uh, come into this movie with a negative view about these sorts of actions yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because I'm thinking about there was recently a segment on a show called I think it's called The Doctors as like Dr. Oz and a couple other people and uh Dr. Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre. Uh <laughs> Dr. Seuss. Dr. Who. <laughs> um it was about what the health and one of the doctor and Dr. Garth Davis on there, like arguing with them and stuff. But one of the guys that was sort of anti with the health was like, I thought it was an interesting documentary, but I can't believe you didn't include like differing viewpoints in my head. I was like, but their documentary, they have a specific point of view and the differing viewpoints are the standard viewpoints that are all around. Like, why would you even need to include that? But then I watched this documentary of like, oh, they're able to include those differing viewpoints. And granted, I guess the health is not, this is maybe more subjective. It's it's like ethics and tactics and stuff. Yeah. Whereas like health is like, in in theory, there's facts that you can look at and in theory, in theory, <laughs> right? That you can look at and debate. So maybe it's a little different there. But this film is like a really good example of how you can include different viewpoints and have it strengthen your overall film. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, obviously, you need to pick and choose who you're who you're interviewing with. This like those interviews could have gone very different, and maybe there were people that were interviewed 
uh, that were also part of the FBI who yeah. they were they decided like this isn't really going along with what we want. So that's very very possible, and and I it wouldn't surprise me. So yeah, obviously you have to pick and choose it, but it, I 100% think that it bolstered the the mess the main message of the movie. Yeah, in the the very short time between us finishing the film and then you setting up to record. I did read a little bit of an interview with one of the directors and he was basically saying I you know it was hard to get access to all of these people and I had to I had to be honest with them and tell them this film is not about your point of view necessarily and but I promise that I won't like distort your words I won't cut out after you know before you say but and then explain something yeah. like you will be accurately represented and then later in the interview he was saying I think it's really interesting to find people with strong opinions and then just sort of put them up against each other and let the viewer decide how they feel about it yeah now granted we're following Daniel McGowan who is I would say a pretty likable on-screen presence more likable than Charlie <laughs> Charlie <laughs> Yeah, and and you're following him, and then he is interacting with. He's saying goodbye to his family, and they're crying. And he's going to go to prison for maybe up to yeah. eight years, and so you're certainly in the position. You're not following the assistant district attorney's journey and his family. <laughs> you know, you're definitely put in the shoes of one of the people that is the most affected. Yeah, by the situation. So I think the film does ask you to be more sympathetic, but again, maybe that's necessary because the point of view from the from the law enforcement side of thing that's just like regular old law and order society. So why does that really need to be explained all that much? It just needs a bit of a presence in the film. And then really the most interesting thing is why would someone do this thing? Why would they take what many people consider to be a really extreme action? And I feel like the film does a really good job of explaining that. More so than Bold Native. I mean, mm-hmm. Charlie espouses all this stuff and, like, very, you know, clumsily explains all the things. But I feel like it was much done much more succinctly in this film. And it felt natural. Yes. Yes. It definitely felt <laughs> way more natural. But Bold Native set a pretty low bar <laughs> on that in that regard. And when they include how they included some of the the like lumber workers as well, I I did even though some of the stuff they were saying I didn't agree with, like when the, the guy is saying like oh well you know our business is lumber so we're not gonna cut down every tree because then we would be out of business like so you could consider us environmentalists, it's like I didn't agree with that but I appreciate that they they put that in without commentary you know they they let they let you kind of pick up that. This is kind of a silly fact. Well, it's like, I don't know, because I, I feel like anyone that's not versed in these issues would be like, yeah, that actually makes sense. Like, of course, they need to make sure that they're going to replenish their supply. But it reminds me of the farmers who say, it's not good for business to have sick pigs. So obviously, we're going to treat our animals well, or else we wouldn't have a good business, you yeah. know? So, but yeah, it is interesting that they sort of just, they're like, here you go without commentary. You decide how you feel about this whole thing. But I did, I mean, I thought it was affecting when the guy was like showing the, the, the lumber uh, mill owner Mm -hmm. who was the picture of him walking around the burnt out office and him saying like, he's, are they going to burn down my house or am I going to start my car and it's going to burst into flames? And, and some people might say that's irresponsible to, to to make you sympathize with someone that's doing 
what a lot of people consider to be a bad thing. Yeah. But it certainly makes for interesting filmmaking. I can say that. Yeah. The, the, the scene where he's talking about, you know, getting the, getting the call, he's describing getting the call at 2 AM and, and you know, it's like, you can definitely sympathize with something that you, this is your entire life. And even if, you know, someone doesn't agree with it, you can't take away the fact that this is the thing that they do every single day and this is their life and it's been taken away from them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why I think this film does a good job of exploring many of the sides mm-hmm. of this whole thing. It's very commendable. I think. Yeah. Do you think that moving, moving on to a different topic, did you think that because it keeps focusing around these, I wish I remember the number like 12 or so activists and they keep showing their pictures like their mugshot pictures. Yeah. But it only really goes into a, like a handful of them. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they, the filmmakers didn't have access to the other ones? The other ones just didn't want to do it. Maybe for legal reasons, they didn't want to do it. I was actually surprised that the fact that this documentary was being made while the court case was going on yes. and they just kind of talked about it all. I, I mean, I would imagine at that point, you know, their lawyers have already seen all the evidence that's presented by the other people. So they're like, well, we can talk about all this stuff because if, if I have here that says Daniel did this thing at this time, I could say that out loud and it's not doing anything. But I was surprised at that, at how open they were. Well, I have some insight into Ooh. that from that, that interview that I read again. Originally, the so the filmmaking was taking place before everything was kind of settled in the court. I had forgotten that it sort of ends at him going away to prison. For some reason, I thought that there was more of like life after prison kind of stuff in it. But I guess that's because I have like friends who are friends with him and I've seen his presence on social media since he's been out and have followed his case. But the filmmakers originally said that it was really hard to get him to sign on because he's like, I got in trouble because I spoke to, you know, I spoke to him. I shouldn't have said some stuff that I said to someone. And I mean, but like also if you have 11 other people that are on tape and they're going to like snitch on you, I I don't think he should beat himself up as much as he was because it's like he was going to go down if all those other people like nine of them were going to be yeah. informants. Like he was, he was something bad was going to happen to him, but it was just a little bit worse by the fact that he was on tape. But anyway, because of that, he is really wary to like let a filmmaker into his home. But eventually he was saying that I think that there's something really important to be said here. I think it's important for people to question the use of the word terrorist in regards mm-hmm. to what we were doing. So that's why he let him in. And during the filming process, I guess for for like 90% of it, he was still claiming to be innocent because legally that's what he needed to do. And so it wasn't until the final um, hearing happened where he like uh, agreed to the plea bargain and all these things that he was finally able to say he did it. So the filmmakers thought the, the, the mystery and the narrative arc of the story was going to be, did he do it or didn't he do it? And then they realized that's not the most interesting aspect of this story. The most interesting aspect is like how and why did he do this? So that's why the film starts off with him straight up saying, I did these things. So that's interesting because that means that they might have been filming for a while. And then all of a sudden the entire direction of the the film gets changed. And it doesn't 
I don't think it specifies in the movie, but there might not have been a tremendous amount of time between him deciding to take that legal route and then going to jail. So they would have had to get like a whole bunch, like, all right, I just want you to talk as much as you can about what happened. And then we can edit the the things together later. But yeah, they said they had to just do like a totally different editing tactic after they decided that's That's the angle they were going to take. Well, they did a good job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I certainly would not have realized that's what they were trying Uh, to do. And, and yeah, I, I agree with them. I don't think it would have been as interesting if you're following someone and you're not sure if they did the thing or, or not. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what like the jinx that whole series with uh, Robert Durst. That was kind of like, did he do it? Didn't he do it? So there is some aspect of the mystery there that can be compelling. But I think, yes, I think that they were smart to take that route of here's someone that has committed what often is deemed very radical action. And let's explore why why this person, how do they become radicalized in this way? I don't, I don't know if I want to use those words because I feel like that's sort of playing into this notion that defending the earth is a radical thing when I feel like it should be a normalized thing. Regardless, sort of following his journey and his story from this guy that grew up in New York City to committing these arsons out in Oregon and Seattle and whatnot is a very interesting story. Yeah, and I I definitely think that if they were going the whole did he didn't he do it route, the the movie would have had a completely different feel. And I don't think the message of like this is not terrorism would have been as strong. Yeah, uh, because it wouldn't have been the focus. He wouldn't have been able to talk and explain his motives, and yeah, he wouldn't have been able to explain how he felt and those sorts of things. It definitely wouldn't have been as strong. So. Yeah. I think that it's good that they that it, it worked out like that. Yeah, definitely. But going back to your point about how it was probably hard for them to get a lot of these interviews, to me, the one that I was surprised was willing to talk on film was Suzanne Savoy, who was his ex-partner. She is someone that did take the deal and became an informant. Yeah. And, you know, in this movement, if you turn Stitch, like, that is a scarlet letter on you. That is not something that you come back from. And you're a a pariah, I suppose. And so to be willing to sort of tell your side of the story on the film, I thought was really brave of her. Like, I I couldn't imagine. That's a deep sense of shame, I'd imagine, for anyone to sort of turn on their friends in that way. Mm -hmm. But I also think the film does a really good job of exploring, like, you can't say what you would do unless this actually happened to you. Uh And, like, I'm like, yeah, if, if my options were the rest of my life in prison or maybe just three or four years or no time at all. Cause the and and credit thing said that she served four years. Yeah. And Jake served none. <laughs> like, I think the film makes that understandable. Definitely. And, and even with, I mean, even with Jake, who is like the, the one that kind of set off the, the domino effect, the one who turned into Guy Fieri, <laughs> like even with him, I mean, it's like I have to feel a little sympathy for him when they leverage his, like his child against him. Yeah, you know, it sucks. Yeah, it feels bad. I, but I think the film also shows a great example of that whole nobody talks, everybody walks thing. I'm not saying everything would have been great, but the fact that they bluffed that they mm-hmm. had certain information that they didn't, and he then admitted to it. Like, man, y'all just, everyone just needs to shut up. Whenever you're talking to a cop or the FBI or any law enforcement agency, say as little or nothing at all. I, but again, I, I think if, like, 
like Suzanne was saying, if it's hard to tell how you would react unless you were in that position. Yeah. Yeah, which which I think is like one of the biggest dangers of doing these types of operations is like the more people you bring in, the more area, the more things can come undone. The more puzzle pieces will fall out. Should have told that to Charlie. (laughs) Charlie, was that the 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 footage of Jake? Was that footage from this documentary maker, or was that other footage? Because it looked it it, the interview. Yeah, I thought it was from this really because I feel like it had a different quality. I think it was just the Hawaiian shirt that was throwing you off. <laughs> He's living large now. <laughs> I don't know. I, I felt like the the interview had a had a the, the the sorry the camera had a lower quality that made me think it was an older an older interview. It's but, possible. But for most of the stuff, they like cited yeah some of the sources when it wasn't obvious. I would be really curious to see a documentary that sort of followed his progression because I'm I'm wondering like what are his views yeah. now. Like he's wearing a branded, you know, corporate logo hat. It just feels like that would be counter to the Jake that we're introduced to early in the film. Yeah. I'd be really curious to have a see a documentary that's kind of exploring people who were really radical and then potentially became way less radical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it, Andy. Nah. <laughs> so, Paul, you already mentioned like the potential parallels between this and like animal liberation activities mm-hmm. or veganism how can this film be used as a tool for education in that regard? Like what are the parallels that you do see? I, I think that, well, besides the parallels of, I'm sure like, like besides the parallels of being vegan for environmental reasons, Mm -hmm. besides those parallels, just in terms of just activism, I mean, I think we, like we see the same, some of those same parallels in, in bold native where there's the, the more extreme approaches, there's the the extreme approaches, there's the less extreme approaches, and this movie goes into those, but for environmental reasons. But I I absolutely think those could be extrapolated and applied directly as almost directly as they are with the environmental reasons for animal reasons. Just instead of burning logging mills, you're burning like agricultural centers, which they did do one. I think there was one of them. Yeah, the horse slaughter facility. And in the beginning of the film, they did show footage of whaling yeah. as well. But otherwise, the animals were pretty yeah. devoid from the whole thing. But you know what I mean? Like, the, the, it, it, at the beginning of the movie, it kind of goes into how a lot of people were doing protests. And then there was this group of people that felt like the protests weren't doing enough. So they kind of uh, took more direct actions. Like, I feel like that absolutely applies to, to veganism. I, I think that the types of the types of activism and how you do those actions or how you do that activism between fighting for the environment and fighting for animals is almost identical in, in a way that like trying to compare, trying to compare animal activism to a different social, like a human social justice issue. I feel like that's when that's what sometimes people try to do those things, but there aren't as many parallels between those. I think that there are a tremendous amount of parallels between like the environmental movement and the animal movement. Yeah, certainly. And I think probably one of those biggest parallels is the fact that each one is working on behalf of a group. Like everyone in that movement are allies to the animals, Mm -hmm. to the environment. They're working on behalf of, which I think is kind of interesting because that, that then lends to the conversation of what happens when people take these more radical measures 
and say it's in the name of something, but the something it's in the name of can't then speak back and say, mm, I'm not sure that I liked how you went about that. Yeah. Uh, that's not how I would advocate for myself kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I feel like this film did a really good job of helping me understand why someone would, would go down the path that they did go down. Mm-hmm. I think especially that footage of the people that were taking what some would still consider pretty radical action, chaining themselves to tractors or whatever it might be, or the trees, that, that whole story mm-hmm. where they're, you know, they cut up the guy's pant leg and they're spraying pepper spray. I didn't realize pepper spray would affect just like your skin, yeah. you know, but that and, and when they're like rubbing pepper spray in the yeah, eyes of people intense. like I don't think anyone could watch that and not feel like fuck the police like fuck these people for treating peaceful protesters this way yeah yeah no that, I'm thinking about that scene where the the people climbed up in the trees and just in terms of editing and filmmaking I love how when they were describing that shot of the person having his pant pant leg ripped they had someone telling the story, but then also the guy himself telling the story and they would cut back and forth. It's almost like they're corroborating the story of what happened between someone retelling it and then the firsthand experience of the person. I just thought it was, it was nice editing. Yeah. And I can't believe that they, they like sprayed him down. I thought just to get the pepper spray off, but I was like, they had just sat in a prison cell soaking wet and covered in pepper spray. And it was just like another punitive measure that they took. (sighs) Yeah, it pissed me. It pissed me off. Like, yeah. I was just like, "Oh God, put on that rage right now." <laughs> yeah, it, it's no, like you said, it's it's easy to understand why people would, when they they consistently march and protest for these things, and after ten years, I think it was in one of the areas, they don't see any progress, and then they do one action, and you know, it's like they. As, as they put it, it's like they undid they they did what ten years of peaceful protests couldn't do in one day in one yeah. night. So it's like I, I I do get it. Yeah, and and that even though I guess I'm someone that's inclined to be supportive of those types of actions, I do think that this is a film that you could play for someone that has not had any sort of inclination towards any side of this issue before, and it would have them understanding and maybe feeling a little bit on the side of the ELF members. I think especially because you, I don't think the film ever, correct me if I'm wrong, has anyone that is totally unrepentant about what they did or wasn't able to see some faults in what they did. I think you're right. And again, another reason why it's, I think it's kind of brave for some of those people, especially Suzanne and, and I guess Daniel was to admit that they burned down this tree farm that on totally false intel. Like that's like, fuck, like thankfully no one died, you Mm -hmm. know, but like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like mentally for the rest of your life that you just caused this immense amount of damage to someone that wasn't doing what you thought they were doing. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. And I think it was both those actions, that tree farm. And then there was the, the library that they burned down. One, it, it like spread further than they thought it was going to, and two, the person that was doing the research, I think, like wasn't there anymore. Or no, no, that was the truth. But then the, in the library, I think it did. They said the fire spread much further than they they thought it was going to. Yeah, they thought it was just going to target the the guy's the office or something, office. and then spread. So yeah, I think it does a really good job of exploring the upsides and the downsides. Like it does have this moment. It's like, oh, in in one day we accomplished what we couldn't do in ten years. But also look at the coverage we're getting They're They don't care about the why they just care about the how mm-hmm. they just care about catching the people. And so, yeah, I think it is a film that really does let people make up their mind. 
And do you think that this film w- could be a powerful tool in in getting people to realize that these sorts of people aren't committing acts of terrorism? I don't know, because when I when I th- I mean I I one hundred percent agree that it's outrageous to call it terrorism, but I also think that someone could point to what they're doing and be like, yeah, that's terrorism. Just because they don't kill someone, they're they're sabotaging. I don't I I personally agree that you can't do violence against an inanimate object. But also, I'm wondering if that's just an issue of semantics that we get bogged down in. Like, whatever it is, the intent is to intimidate or to shut down. Like, if it doesn't shut down the facility, the hope is that it's such a terrifying thing that why would anyone want to continue in that industry? So you're attempting to coerce people into doing what you want. So I could see someone watching this film and still being like, yeah, it's terrorism. It's just like that one guy was saying at the end, you don't have to be Bonnie and Clyde to be a bank robber and you don't have to be Al Qaeda to be considered a terrorist. So I don't I don't know if it's like guaranteed to get people to go, oh, it's kind of ridiculous. But I, I do think it sort of paints more of a picture of what's at stake. Although I think they could have done a better job at really relaying how horrible the environmental damage is. They did have lots of, you know, destruction, environmental destruction footage, but it almost, I don't know, it would have thrown me out of the film if they started to go, this, here's a pie graph of all this land and, you know, some animations like Cowspiracy or something. I, I actually didn't think about that fact until you just pointed out now, like Bold Native did more of that kind of factual exposition thrown at you where it's like did you know that like this is what happens and like blah 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 this is what happens with male chicks that was more like factual than what this actual documentary did but an actual factual an actual factual but like you said I think it 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 would have maybe messed with some of the flow of how the movie was presented and I don't think that this movie is trying to recruit people for the ELF. I don't think it's trying to, I don't even necessarily think it's trying to recruit people to become environmental activists. I think it's trying to give you a better understanding of people that already are environmental activists. So for that reason, I I think maybe that's one of the reasons why they didn't choose to include these things because that's not, that wasn't part of their agenda. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, in that interview, where the director is kind of saying we're trying to just present these strong points of view and butt them up against each other and let people decide and basically kind of get everyone a little closer to the middle and to understand each other. And, it's, and the director said, I don't think that we're going to get an ELF member to become a prosecutor. And I don't think we're going to get a prosecutor to become an ELF member, but I do hope that they will start to understand each other better. So I did think that that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And from what you said, what you told me about how, the filmmaker didn't, uh, as far as I gathered from what she said, didn't have any stakes in this beforehand. It was just his wife happened to work with Daniel. Yeah, the story just fell in his lap. Yeah, so it's like he didn't he didn't have this that agenda to begin with, anyways. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I, as much as I love the film, I don't necessarily know if it's too much of a piece of activism, other than it could get people to question the use of the the label terrorist. But I think it's more, it's not like you should do this. It's just like, here's a window into an interesting world. And there's a lot of documentaries like that. that are just like, 
you should see this interesting world that you're not privy to. And so it's, it's almost more of like a piece of fascination than it is a piece of education. But I did feel educated on this world of activism that I was not, you know, when you watch the animal liberation documentaries and the vegan documentaries, it's like, okay, I know that person, that person, that person, yeah. I've seen that person speak. I've heard that person say that a million times before. And this <laughs> is just like a whole new cast of people that I was unfamiliar with aside from Daniel McGowan. But I do also think that it is important as a piece to change the tone of how we think about these sorts of actions. Like just because it's not getting people to do them. I think it, it like, cause what I was, what I was just thinking I was going to ask you was how do we change that, that, that climate of calling these, these sorts of things that don't harm people that aren't affecting or hurting or killing individuals how do we change it so that the media doesn't like or people don't just automatically label them as terrorists? And I think showing them this movie might be a good way to, yeah. to start that or to start that discussion. Yeah, no, I guess I have to agree with you there, Paul. So, it, I mean, and again, I think that that's one of, if not the main purpose of why they made the movie. So I, I, I think that they, if that's what it is, I think they were successful in doing it. Yeah, I, I guess I have to agree with you, Paul. I, I think it's just a very successful, well done, compelling film. Definitely. I think that's going to bring us to the end of our discussion about If a Tree Falls, a story of the Earth Liberation Front. Actually, I I did like the title. It's just a story of the Earth Liberation Front. Like they're not claiming this is the definitive story. So I did did like that as well as a humble thing for them to do as well. Yeah, you know, this story is about one cell of the Earth Liberation Front and they're just kind of focusing in on that. So yeah, and and especially like one or two people even within that one cell. Mm -hmm. So yeah, endlessly fascinated by the subject matter. Highly recommend this film. I think it's well worth a watch regardless of your stance. I think anyone could find something in it that they would grasp onto and find interesting. We want to know what all you beautiful beardos have to think about this film. So send us an email, thebeardedvegans at gmail.com. Let us know what films you want us to review in the future. We're definitely looking forward to doing these again. Mm -hmm. And definitely stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be reviewing Speciesism. Never seen it. Which I am so excited to dig into this one, Paul. (laughs) Mostly because didn't have a a podcast to discuss it when it first came out. But Mm -hmm. I think I got a lot to say. So I'm I'm curious how I'm going to feel about it now that it's been out for at least, I want to say, four years maybe. And... Maybe I'll maybe I'll have a newfound uh, appreciation for it. I don't know, but definitely go watch Speciesism wherever you can find it, and uh, join us next week for that review. And right before we wrap up, in case anyone did watch the movie and, and wants to know where Daniel currently is, according to his Wikipedia page, a <laughs> credible source, it said that he was originally released to a halfway house in 2012. So he he went. Uh, he was incarcerated in 2008. So then four years later, he was released to a halfway house. But then the following year, he was taken into custody after publishing an article under the Huffington Post for criticizing the communication management u- units, which we discussed in Bold Native. And actually, this film gives a little more insight into what that means. I know we didn't go into it too much in the Bold Native, but it said that in the CMUs, they're allowed one 15-minute phone call a week and then one visit per month through glass yeah so it's it's pretty pretty harsh yeah so he went basically went back to jail in 2013 for a couple months and then was released in again in in june of 2013 so overall he spent about five years in prison yeah that sucks yeah 
So on that very note, Andy, you got anything cheery to say to me? <laughs> well, I'm happy to be back in your presence, Paul. Yeah. Prisons, Paul. And so even though we are recording this in advance, Paul, I think we can both say Happy New Year from the past. Happy New Year. For the future. I don't know what it is. Hope 2018's going. Okay. So <laughs> I'm sure far. everything's just fine. Uh, but we have one other message from the past. And that is the following seven words. We are the beauty. Yeah. I think it's a really great watch. I think that... I guess in spoilers, I do want to talk about is, is like, we're talking about this on a ve- vegan. God damn it, Paul. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And yep. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Is, is like, you, well. <laughs> you don't have to be Bonnie and Clyde to be a bank robber, and you know. <laughs> Shut up, Paul.